Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Hey all, Christopher here with the intro for this week, as Dave is out somewhere in Brighton hosting a quiz, which is a new thing for him, hope it's going well. Uh, but uh, I'm just here to tell you about this week's podcast. We are back kind of in pop territory this week. After a few episodes where we've been firmly ensconced in kind of rock and guitar stuff, this week we're looking at Simply Red's Stars album. So definitely pop, like I say. And if you've listened to any of the recent episodes, you probably have gathered that this is one we were pretty nervous about doing. We weren't looking forward to this one. Um, you know, probably some preconceptions of Simply Red. Definitely some preconceptions of some of the singles off this that we remember. So, yeah, we, we weren't too keen. But who knows? Maybe it'll all get turned around and we'll realise there's actually something worthwhile in here. You'll have to find out. Big thank you, by the way, to everyone who has listened recently and spread the word and all that sort of stuff. We have been kind of top five in the UK Apple podcast chart in our category all week, which is just amazing. We are so pleased. Thank you again, everybody. I hope you're enjoying these recent ones as much as we are doing them. There's only a few left, actually, of 1991, so we're getting towards the end. And we'll probably be looking at some kind of of end-of-year best-of charts like we did for 1990. So, yeah, we've got to start thinking about what else we need to put onto those lists. But that's enough from me anyway. Look, yeah, we better get into this Simply Red album. I hope you enjoy listening. Please do get in contact with any comments and feedback via the various social media Uh, And once again, yeah, keep spreading the word. Big love to everyone. Cheers. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. My name is Dave Fensom. I'm Christa Greer. Uh, we're not with Waffles Dog this week because he's at the vet. Yes, uh, he's uh, getting his final checkup so that his balls have successfully been taken off or something. Yeah, just to make sure they're definitely they're gone. They're definitely gone. Yeah, yeah. You can never be sure. No, they come back sometimes. <laughs> well, that Stephen King story. Sometimes they come back. <laughs> sometimes they really come back. Sometimes they come back again. Sometimes they don't come back. You think they haven't come back anyway, but then they're back. They're back. They're just in your Seriously, fucking cupboard. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, wow. Uh, which episode is this, Chris? Right, this Griff? is number 17. 17. Series 2, episode 17. That's crazy, man. We're yeah. hammering through these. We really are. And we are getting towards the end of the year as well, 19. 1991. We are looking at the week of October 6th to, well, it's actually two weeks this one, October 6th to the 19th. Uh, for two weeks, at this point, Simply Red Stars was yeah. number one. Also, let's say thank, say hello to all of our new listeners. I mean, uh, our, oh, yes. our numbers have been going up crazily over the last few weeks. Yeah, so we've had a nice little spike, actually. So, yeah, I don't know whether it's all going to disappear now that this kind of rock music is going. We've just had loads of people that think this is going to be about rock music. But today, we are going to talk about yeah. Simply Red. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Mick- it's a bit of a difference from, uh, the, like you say, Metallica 
Nirvana, Brian Adams. Yeah. I mean, there's an odd one out there anyway, but this is definitely the other side of the coin. Did you have any uh, any opinions on, on Simply Red back in 1991? Oh, I'm pretty sure I did, and I'm pretty sure I was very much against Simply Red on principle. Oh, man, I mean, I was, man. Yeah. I mean, I like. I'll be honest with you, in 1991, Simply Red, this album was... Very big. It was everywhere. Oh, it was right? huge. And it was it was very big with people that at that time, age sixteen, I was fairly sure were the enemy. Sure. In my mind, simply read, particularly this album was always the voice of the enemy, right? Okay, this was the absolute, you know, apocalypse of a bland yeah. or whatever. But know? I'll be honest with you, I've never heard this album, I don't think. No. Apart from I mean, I think my next door neighbour's mum had this. It was very much an album that your next door neighbour's mum oh, had. Oh god, yeah. This is you know, targeted very directly at mums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is almost quintessentially the kind of album that this podcast is set up to listen to, really, isn't it? Well, sure. It? It, it was a massive, massive pop album. Um, and just in terms of where I was on Simply Red, I remember in the mid to late 80s, mm-hmm. whenever I was buying the Noi albums and the Hits albums, mm-hmm. there was a couple of songs of theirs I really liked. Um, their cover of Every Time I Say Goodbye, yeah. I really enjoyed. Okay. Um, hold Him Back the Ears. Hold Him Back the Ears. I liked that. Yeah. Did you used to do the dance where you held back your ears and said, "Hold him back the ears." I didn't. That's a that's a shame. That was a, that was a that was a junior school favourite of mine. I see. Yeah. I'm sure there is. A, there's a joke about um, Mick Hucknall fucking a rabbit and he has to hold back the ears. Oh, is there? Yeah. yeah. I mean, are you sure it's a joke? <laughs> well, <laughs> a possibly unsubstantiated rumor. Yeah. I mean, you you mentioned Mick Hucknall there. Yes. And I think Mick Hucknall was the reason that I really took against them. I saw oh, him yeah. I saw him as the poster boy of the shiny, disingenuous kind of soul boy. Okay. Basically the the diamond toothed kind mm. of pussy hound. And in my mind, where albums like Guns N' Roses were really telling the truth. Yeah. This guy, you know, he was adding nothing to the equation, right? Okay. Um and obviously that was the way my 16-year-old mind worked. So, you know, I'm interested to go well, back into this for well, sure. Sure. And, you know, I think time has only really reinforced that image of Mick Hucknall as a bit of a dickhead. Oh, yeah, you I'm know, sure. The, the, all the stories you hear, the press stories, ha- are about him being a twat. Yeah. And so you, I have never needed to completely revisit my impression of him. Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't think I really associated him with my dislike of Simply Red right. as much, maybe as yourself, but I just thought, oh, well, that's a big pop band. I'm not interested. I'm deliberately yeah. not interested. I'm mm-hmm. spurning it. And because it's so big and it's keeping other stuff I like out of the charts or, you know, off the number one spot or this sort of thing, yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck you then. Yeah. Fuck you. It's, it's, you know, up yours, big business, mm-hmm. that sort of shit. Yeah, absolutely. He's so, the man. Yeah, this this isn't the kind of the underground rock that I like. No, precisely. Yeah. and But obviously, you know, over the years, you know, I mean, I started off, you know, I started off very much as a pop music fan, and uh-huh. over the years, I've become far more of a pop music fan again. I've mellowed out so much, yeah, you know, absolutely. and I, the the real vitriol I had when I was sixteen, which was directed at whatever took my whim that fucking week, I don't have that anymore as much as I did, and I will happily let more in. 
than yeah. I used to. You know, absolutely. Now we've had an email from a regular listener, Martin Young, and yes, I think this, are, I, Martin. I think this is a super well measured email, and I think this actually hits the tone really nicely. Oh, yeah. So uh, I won't read all of it because he, he mentions a couple of songs, but I'll, but um, he says, "Hi guys, really looking forward to this episode. Not necessarily because it's the best album of all time, because it's definitely not, but for me, it's a perfect example of the real '90s and what your pod is about. General consensus is '90s goes baggy, grunge, Britpop, clubland, dance, boy band, girl band, pop, but it's actually albums like this that were really popular and what people were listening to on mass. Uh, something that's kind of been conveniently airbrushed out of history in favour of cool revisionism, and I think mm. that is true because this is what this is what the heartland of England was listening to. This is the, oh, totally. they were selling out. They were selling out arenas. Uh, this was the f- the first album uh, to be the number one selling album in two consecutive years in the UK. Uh, since Simon and Garfunkel in the 70s. Oh, apparently. sorry, since Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. So I did read that. I yeah. Didn't, I didn't but you're absolutely right. In 1991 and... 19, right, this was released at the end of 91. Yeah. And became the best-selling album of 1991. Yeah. Right? So it fucking took off like an absolute you never, uh, torpedo. Never, never underestimate Christmas, mate. Nah, that's true. I mean, as the no, as the review in, I think I think it was the Guardian said at the time. At least now you've got. A, I was a melody maker one. That I was it a melody maker. Yeah. At least now you've got a present for your nan. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but for it to do so huge business in ninety one, and then continue to do as huge business in ninety two. Yeah. Uh, whenever there's a lot of other stuff, obviously fighting for that spot, that is impressive. That is massive sales. Absolutely. You know, if it's now twelve times platinum. It sold uh, nearly three and a half million in the UK alone wow. and nine million worldwide. Wow. Uh, which makes it, it places it at the minute as currently the 15th best selling album ever in the UK. Just, wow. Just between Adele and Shania Twain. And what a place to be. Well, quite. It's the 15th best selling album ever in the UK. There you go. It's fucking it's huge abso- business. Absolute monolith of a record. Indeed. And that is one thing I do remember, and probably one of the things that annoyed me at the time was just it wouldn't go away. Yeah. It just stayed and stayed and stayed. And there are five singles released off this. Mm-hmm. So it was a prolonged album campaign. It went on and on and on. And it's like, fucking hell, still more simply read. It was That was the kind of feeling yeah. I got. Well, that's it. You know, I'd be watching MTV and, uh, you know, kind of Nirvana would be on and then Jeremy by Pearl Jam would come on and then I'd have to look at Mick Hucknall's face yeah. for five minutes and I'd, it would ruin my day. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right, but that said, I want to be, I want to be super, super clear on this. Yep. Whilst I'm going in with some preconceptions, I'm going in not expecting to like this very much. That's, yeah. that's my truth. But I'm going yeah. into it to try and... That's my truth. <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> Fucking hell, that's my truth. What a Amazing. Um, but, you know, I'm going in... I want to go into this with an open mind as much as possible. Okay? Which, that's fair. Absolutely. But it's in, you can't switch off those thoughts that you, yeah. you've had for... 30 years yeah exactly and you know we you know we had an email from someone recently who suggested that perhaps we had a bit of of genre bias absolutely true that is absolutely true Uh, and you know i think we we want to be as upfront as we possibly can about that you know and kind of you know i i mean i'm a massive soul and funk fan Mm -hmm. but i go you know 60s 70s soul and funk and you know some of the kind of the you know 90s r&b and stuff is all a bit histrionic it didn't really do it for me as much but you know we'll see more of that as we as we go yeah that's gonna you know keep on going through the 90s as we go through the point of this is re-evaluation and i think in you know if some of this stuff gets through the filter of that then it sounds testament to you know what we're looking for is good pop songs you know we're not looking for you know we we talked about nirvana and it was you know kind of we talked about it and it's all its underground glory and whatever but the thing that came out to us most was the poppy elements of it yeah yeah, that's what we're looking for in it good pop songs essentially i think that's a fair take on it is that we don't want to dislike anything. 
Uh, you know, we talked about this in season one whenever we were looking at things like uh, Phil Collins and Elton John and those huge pop stars in that that way. We don't want to go, oh, fuck, this is awful. We hope that this is there's something on there. We go, That's why we're reevaluating. We're, we're going back and visiting in case we missed it the first time. I'm hoping, you know, when I'm going into this, I'm hoping that maybe... I'll be very pleasantly surprised. I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's let's hope we can yeah. do that. In terms of the album itself, this was their fourth album as yep. a band. Um, they kind of this they formed in about eighty three, eighty four out of a different band. They broke through in eighty five, eighty six, and had you know pretty big success from the start. But this was the one that really skyrocketed them. I'd say um, the lineup was was different. Uh, to the one they started with because people had started leaving the band and it was around this time in interviews that Mick Hucknall was actually quoted as saying that essentially Simply Red is kind of a solo project for him these days right okay um, he was just getting other people in there were still some people there from who were from the start but it was starting to be a rotating musicianship in there um, the keyboardist Tim Kellett he yep. left after this album uh, and went on to form the Dance Act Olive Remember them? It did. You're not alone. No, I don't remember them at all. No, I bet you'd I, remember. I probably remember the song. But yeah, you'd remember how, that. How did the song go? Uh, well, I'm just going to sing. You're not alone. And you're you'll not go. You're not alone. Uh, I can't remember the rest of the chorus. Okay, fair enough. That's yeah. fine. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll drop it in in the edit. Okay. At that bit, and you'll you'll go. Oh yeah, that one. Uh, the other keyboardist, who's a guy called Fritz McIntyre, he left the band in 1985, moved to Canada, released a solo album of Christian worship music called First Fruits and is now the musical director of a large Florida church. Mm, so that's what he went on to do after Simply Red. And I didn't know this as well. I was looking up some of their other people who were in the band. And on their 1987-88 world tour, they had uh, Aziz Ibrahim on guitar, who was the guitarist who replaced John Squire in Stone Roses. Oh, okay. He, he played live with Simply Red. I did not know that. Yeah, I mean, no. I, do you know what? I think I did. Really? Because didn't they have, like, Simply Red's drummer as well? Are they still Roses? They had... See, I remember something about that at the time. Yeah. There being a... Oh, yeah, this is this is a guy that's done this stuff. I, I kind of vaguely remember oh, right. it. Because, yeah, I, I remember that. Because that was who played with them when they played uh, that Reading Festival. Yeah, where absolutely. they got that's... super slated for Ian Brown's voice. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, that was him on guitar. Um, but, yeah, I just... Um, obviously, it's the Manchester connection. You know, he was a guitarist on the Manchester scene and there was a lot of other Manchester musicians went through the ranks of Simply Red. But I did not know... I, well, it's one of those things, I bet you I did know at the time, but I'd totally forgotten. Because it cannot have escaped my notice, reading the NMA and Melody Maker every week, that the guitarist in the Stone Roses used to be in Simply Red. That would have been a thing I knew. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm so. fairly sure I did know it at some point, but yeah, so right. you know, you, mate, there's so much fucking trivia in our heads. You know what I mean? Ah, we're not what we were, it my friend. Pops in and out. Um, the album is, in, in various reviews, it's said to be, this is kind of where Simply Red started using more hip-hop-influenced beats on some of their tracks rather than the soul stuff they had been doing. Some of it is down, partly down to the drummer who was joined them for this album was a guy called Gota, a Japanese drummer, yeah, uh, who was also kind of a producer and programmer and therefore was doing more kind of electronic beat yeah. stuff for them. Uh, he had previously worked with Soul to Soul and Seal and Sinead O'Connor, so we've got yeah. callbacks to three other artists that we've, that we've done. done. 
Um, I mean, it wasn't the story. I think I read this. It wasn't the story that they got him on to do production and they didn't know he was a drummer. Yeah. And it was through seeing him jamming in the studio that he ended up becoming a full-time member of the band. Absolutely, and stayed there for a good while. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Right? Um, and he is also apparently credited as the groove activator on Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill. Well, thank God for that. Yeah, <laughs> someone had to activate I mean, the group. We're, that's, we're back in Alita Adams territory <laughs> yeah, here, aren't we? They really are. Um, he also apparently worked with Depeche Mode on Ultra. He did a lot of the drum programming on that. Ultra is literally the most underrated Depeche Mode record. Well, there you go. So he was doing that. Um, like you said, in the Melody Maker, uh, they, they said a review at the time was within his strictly defined oeuvre, which is sleek, airbrushed music, best described as Solette. Hucknell's voice is mild ahead of the competition, nor on an objective level can stars be faulted because it's a pleasant album. The sleeve is pretty, and now at least you've got a Christmas present for a gram. The thing is, that it was you know, like Soulette is that like a moist towelette? Mm, nice. I can I can imagine uh, for for your arsehole, presumably. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's no arseholes involved in Simply Red, clearly. So um, the more kind of mainstream press, they did praise it more than obviously Melody Maker are going to. They said it was a more pop sound than the that that kind of white boy soul that they had been doing in the 80s and it, they figured it kind of worked for them better than what they had been doing and obviously the public agreed because it sold a, a billion copies yeah absolutely yeah. mate absolutely okay. the, uh, the the final line of their wikipedia though and i do enjoy this because it goes through you know this is this this is whatever reviews this is the praise this is the downside and the final line uh is just says the album was voted the second worst record ever made in a 1998 Melody Maker poll. <laughs> nice. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Also, uh, also an album given away by the Daily Mail. Was it? Yeah. Was in, it one of those? In 2006, I think it was the first one. Ah. Uh, yeah, they gave away to every cunt in the country. Wow. God, that is such a good fit. Yeah. I don't, right. think, those, I don't think that counts in its overall sales, but yeah. Right, sure. No, I think whenever Prince did that, he was surprised he didn't get number one out of it, didn't he? Right, yeah, yeah something one like of those that, ones. Yeah. Okay, but that's kind of all I've got for background on this. I think might as well have a look at the cover. We've got. Uh, I've got a, my CD here. Yes, we do. Uh, what for one one pound ten? Maybe you were done. No, um, yeah. Look, we've got a you know very artsy kind of picture. Mick Hucknall is sat sat in his kimono or whatever yeah. it is. Now there's a story about this. Have you seen this story? I have indeed. And yeah, so he's sat like looking over a. It kind of almost looks like a savanna sky. Yeah, I think it's probably supposed to be uh, you know a desert scape or something like that. But yeah. it's nighttime and the sky is the main bit in the background. And there's, and there's a shooting star which yep. is kind of travelling upwards. Mm-hmm. And he is sat in a look that I would call contemplative. Holding his hands up to his head almost not not quite in prayer but in definite meditation possible i mean i would describe that as the kind of look that you go for if you're trying to look meaningful that's a, that's an instagram model post 20 oh, years God, ahead yeah. of its time oh yeah no that's one where you take 50 shots of very very similar poses and yeah. that's the one that looks most least objectionable yeah there's a nice little kind of halo around his auburn locks creating yeah. creating that kind of uh, yeah. uh light affair the, the, the ginger uh yeah i mean I don't like the album cover very much. No, I mean, I think it's quite dull. What it looks like is it's the kind of art you're going to find in a hotel. It's very inoffensive. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's, I mean, it's, I mean, in terms of what it is, it's a very effective album for a broad audience, a cover for a broad right, audience. Sure. Yeah. I, you know, I think that it's, it's not something that I particularly enjoy, but I think it's probably a very effective album cover. Mm uh, for, for the album that it is. Sure. Well, it, if you're aiming at, 
at the time, you know, 30-somethings who aren't into anything edgy at all. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is a safe pair of hands you're falling yeah. into right now. And they made it even safer, didn't they? This album cover because originally, oh yes, originally yes. Uh, Mick uh, insisted because this is this is where did, where had he got this this cape thing from? What's oh, it? uh, it's some sort of a Native American painted cloak that he bought in Spain, apparently. Yes, okay, wonderful. He wanted to show it off. Yeah, I mean, of course you would. If you bought yourself a Native American cape from from Spain, you'd want to oh, show right, it off, wouldn't you? Uh, Do you reckon he got a free Dreamcatcher with it? <laughs> definitely, definitely, mate. And but, is, is he still got dreadlocks at this point? Uh, not quite. I mean, it's it's unkempt, right? But I don't know if you can strictly call it red. It's more just heavy curls. I did I did a podcast recording last night in London with the ADHD and guys. Yes, um, they wanted to talk to me about being a comedian. Um, and one of them, and I, I haven't researched it since. I've just remembered it's come back to me. But apparently, the reason he had to cut his dreadlocks off was because someone was sick on them and he couldn't get the smell out. Oh, brilliant! How brilliant. good is that? How good is that? <laughs> to be honest. From my experience of, you know, white man dreadlocks, I would have thought vomit would improve the smell. Uh, yeah, well, that is the case. Shout mm. out to my friend Stevie. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, in terms of the, the picture, like you're saying. Yeah, so originally he was adamant that he, it was just going to be the only thing he was going to be wearing was this item. I mean, pants weren't mentioned. Let's no. hope he had pants on. Uh, uh, maybe he just doesn't. I reckon he's the kind of guy that doesn't wear pants. He could be a commando man. Yeah, yeah. I reckon he's a commando True. man. But apparently uh, the record company did not like that. They thought it would be off put in so the artist had to do a composite had to put to take a photo of her assistant's legs in jeans and composite those on top yeah because the original one had him bare-legged and just full-on you know pasty white ginger skin on show yeah, exactly yes. translucent yeah definitely anyway so yeah so that's the album cover yeah uh, effective not not for me not offensive not offensive at all it's um, you know it's a nice shade of blue yeah um and, but one thing I it's do think... It's a nice shade of yeah. blue. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's, that's, that's probably the other title of this album. Yeah. Um, one thing I do think that this cover shows is how much it was a solo project for Mick Hucknell because none of the rest of the band are on it. He's the only focus. He's the one that's decided, I want to be in my special Spanish American Indian uh, poncho. It's all about him. And, you know, the other side of this CD booklet is a close-up of his face. And while there are photos of the rest of the band inside, if you were just looking at the front and the back, it's just McHucknell. Yeah, fuck that. Well, indeed. But it just it shows to me that Simply Red and McHucknell at this point are interchangeable. When you talk about one, you're talking about yeah, the other. Yeah, exactly. You're, you know, he is Simply Red, isn't it, he? Precisely, yeah, yeah. Exactly that. Yeah. Right. Okay, yeah, Waffles has now rejoined us. He's back from the vet. He's been given a clean bill of health. Good man. Uh, you may hear a little bit of him padding around on the floor. I apologise for that. He will settle in a minute. Yeah. Normally, normally we've got him settled before we've started, but... Uh, it's all very exciting. Something's got him started. Hey! Okay, right, so we've, uh, we've, we've done that, we've done that. Uh, shall we crack yeah. into the first might song? Might as well, let's do this, right. So the... Uh, the first track is called Something Got Me Started. Indeed, track one. And, and before this starts, the very first bit in this intro, yeah. I think it's hilarious. Oh, I do as it's well. It's amazing. So yeah. yeah, make sure you're listening to this, people. Absolutely. I mean, we're off to a bad start, aren't we? (laughs) Oh, mate, that cracks me up. Totally the opposite of the tone of this tune as well. Yeah. Yeah. Show me. Uh, Okay, but look, the tune itself. Yeah. It says says hip-hop, but this to me is like more of a kind of a funky house kind of soul swing. Oh, sure. Yeah. 
I must admit that I thought, in my head, I thought this was off a previous album. I didn't think this was the 1991 Simply Red. Yeah. I thought this was like their 88 stuff. Yeah. Because obviously I know this song, I remember yeah. this song, but I had totally mistimed it in my head. Now, I'll be honest with you, I put this song on, yeah. uh, listened to it in my car, like a, probably about a week ago, Yeah. Um, and I went... This is a really good pop song. I fucking love this song. This is a really good song. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I have been replaying this over and over yeah. in my room. Yeah. Yeah. That, this this little break, that piano break. Yeah. Fucking blinding. Great man. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's, it's just it's a good time, man. It's, yeah. It's a you know for all your hatred of of Mick Hutton, mm-hmm. you can't take away from the fact that boy can hold a tune. Oh, he can sing. That is absolutely hundred percent true. And you know this vocal itself. You know, like I've had criticisms of some of the other soul stuff we've done about. You know, dispassionate but de- delivery. That was right. my main problem with, with some Christians and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah some of the Olita Adam stuff oh, as sure, well. Yeah. But this is a passionately delivered. You know, it's a really, really solid pop tune. You've got that like you've got that big house piano mm-hmm. in there. Like particularly, I mean, I've, I've marked down particularly in the outro. The outro. Yeah, is yeah, it goes for it. Yeah, 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 really, really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean. You know, I'm sure you're going to mention this, but we get our old pal, the uh, sax solo, comes Amazing. back. Oh, so happy. Yeah. So happy. <laughs> exactly. Back. And it's just after, like, the f- second chorus or whatever, when it's done that little piano break that I'm into, and then it just bangs into a sax solo. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing. And you know, you've got that deeper backing back because we're like, give it all up to you. Yes, yes sir. I would. Yes, so it, that, good. That is, uh, that's the keyboardist who went on to be uh, a Christian musician okay, in, in America. I, yeah, I mean, that sounds like he's got the voice for the Christianity. Indeed, he's definitely, you can see the, the, the soul gospel influence there. Yeah. I mean, you know, this reminds me, to me, this is the sound of Sunday night local radio. Sure. You know, if Chilton FM used to have Cuddle on the Couch. Oh, right, yeah. They, oh, what was the one in, in Belfast? Grope on the Sofa. Cool, cool Goes Quiet. That is <laughs> cool. cool FM. Cool Goes Quiet. Cool Goes Quiet. Yeah. You know, this is the sound of losing your virginity to the back of someone's Vauxhall Nova. <laughs> right, Do you know what yeah. I mean? It is, right? That's what, that's what this is. <laughs> but, you know, right... I listened to this and I went, I don't see what my problem was with this song because this is a good fucking song. This is a terrific song. Yeah. Honestly is. Great and song. Maybe, maybe the reason I wanted to think it was before Stars was because I didn't want to associate it with my image of this album. I yeah. don't know. But as soon as this came on, I was like, fuck, I have missed out on 30 years of not hearing this yeah yeah i, yeah. T- I turned this up yeah, this yeah. Is I, I think this is a great song i um, do enjoy uh i'm sure you did as well I don't, about two minutes like just after two minutes let's play a bit of this right, so we're at the end of the sax solo and then we've got a woman <laughs> oh. <laughs> i mean the, the main caveat oh on enjoying anything in this record, right? <laughs> I'm going to say this up front and yeah. early. This won't be the last time I say this, but the main caveat of enjoying anything on this thing is when he's talking about sex, you have to divorce the fact that it's Mick Hucknall. I know. You, it yeah. has to be a voice. You think about if it. you think about Mick Hucknall <laughs> having sex, then it's all over. <laughs> As a, which is the opposite thing that if I thought about Mick Hucknall while I was having sex, then it would go on forever. Yeah. I, in fact, I think, you know, like, yeah, like that Mick Hucknall is going to become my kind of keeping the wolf from the doors kind I of. I see your new handbrake. That, oh, think, things, yeah, the handbrake. I fucking <laughs> forgot about the handbrake. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, man. But also, and I mean, the spoken word bits in a few of these songs are just stupid and hilarious. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, the fact that he's decided it would be a good idea to do things like go, uh, on a yeah. song and put that on a record shows how much he thinks of himself as a sex symbol. Yeah. Because, and But he does have that 
story, and I'm actually inclined to believe it. He reckons that between 1985 and 97, he fucked 3,000 women. Yeah, I think he recently did a bit of a revisionism on that. I think oh, did he? I, yeah, I think, I think something showed up in my flip book recently okay. about Mick Hucknall, for God knows what What was saying that he that was an unreasonable think, number? Or... I think he was just saying he, d- he didn't really count. Uh, oh, but he, he said in the bit that was uh, justifying the 3,000 number that he reckoned it was three women a day. I mean, that's nuts, isn't it? But then the quote that he had was, when I had the fame, it went crazy. I would sleep with about three women a day, every day. I never said no. This was what I wanted from being a pop star. I was living the dream. And my only regret is that I hurt some really good girls. Okay. um, Yeah. This is an article from 2010, Guardian. Mick Hucknell apologises to thousands of women he slept with. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's never too late. I regret the philandering, he says. Uh, uh, In fact, can I issue a public apology through The Guardian? They know who they are, and I'm truly sorry. Uh, I mean, fucking just pay for the penicillin, mate. Do you know what I mean? Actually, I should probably take this opportunity to publicly apologise to anyone I slept with over the years. I'm really sorry. That's... uh... Apolo- that was my fault. Apologies accepted. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, listen to this line. I wanted love from every single woman on the planet because I didn't have my mother's love. It was an addiction that took from, from my darker period from 1996 to 2001 when I really came close to the gutter. I was I was more into drinking than seducing, ultimately, he said. He got bored with his sexual adventuring uh, uh, as I never really got the emotional contact that I craved. There you go. Mm. Fucking hell. Yeah, whatever. I wonder if when he was in the gutter... Was he looking at the stars? Fuck there me. There you go. Uh, I will say another thing about this song, though, right? Uh, I did watch the videos when applicable on this one, because this this was their first single off the album as well. This was released in September 91, just before the album came out. Uh, it got to number 11, so it was a decent hit for them. Mm-hmm. And therefore, there is a video. And the video is fucking incredible. I'm going to put it up on the social medias and all this sort of stuff, because... You have I I can't remember the last time I saw a man dancing so badly and looking so happy with himself. There are various bits of the video where he's dancing. Sometimes he's doing it in like a silhouette profile against a, just a, a solid color background. Sometimes he's doing it with a sexy woman. Sometimes he's in the corner of a room and he's got this kind of you know open to the chest shirt on with a star medallion. Yeah, and all of the dancing is spectacularly bad yeah it's beautiful i implore you you know whenever you've listened to this podcast just go and have a wee look at the something got me started video it's it's genius very wonderful happy. stuff yeah wonderful stuff yeah. okay so look so that's a that's that's a, a surprising hit from both Surpri- of us mate going in i was like fuck okay mm-hmm. i may be very wrong mm-hmm. so yeah track one Absolutely blind. Well, track two stars. Track two is the avatar. I'm fairly sure I know where I am on this one going into it. Yeah, no, you, yeah, yeah. you remember this. So, stars. And this was the second single. Mm-hmm. It was released quite soon after, in November 1991. Uh, and this got to number eight. Yeah. So, this was, this was a bigger hit. This was the biggest hit off the album, in fact. I mean, it's smooth as you like, isn't it? There's no edge to it at all, right? No. But again, this vocal is incredibly well delivered. Yeah. It is. And look, it's got a big fucking pop hook coming in in the chorus. The chorus is huge. Yeah. 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 And again, I was there going, I was going, this isn't my sound, but I'd be lying if I said... I was unaffected by this song. It, uh-huh. it, 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 it's it's just a big 
I mean, it's fucking schmaltz. It's absolute schmaltz. I've written the exact same word in my notes. Yeah. It is schmaltz to the nth degree. Yeah. But... And it's when you look at the lyrics, it's bog standard love song stuff. Yeah. I mean, but I can't criticise this song. Yeah. I can't criticise this song. This is a good song. Yeah. And, it, I mean, it shows... You, you can't... You can't really criticise it because you can remember it 30 years on. You know, this yeah. comes on, I'm like, oh, I remember the chorus. Yeah. Straight away. Yeah. It, and it, it's got its hooks in you from that time. And, you know, I remember this as being an incredibly bland song. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it is. I think there's enough flourish in it and enough stuff and there's enough detail in it yeah. that suggests to me that people really cared about putting this together. Uh, and there's a lot of, new, you know, there's a lot of little kind of bits of nuance and thing like that. It's just a well-crafted, well-put-together well, song. It's, it's spectacularly produced. Really, oh, uh, without you know, a doubt, it's it's incredibly produced. I think you can say that about all this album for sure. Yeah, true. I mean, the amount of money they must have spent on it, you're, you're not going to come away with a shoddy production. Mm-hmm. But I think this is a little bit too schmaltzy for me to get excited about. I'm I, not excited it, about but it, but I can absolutely see this is a very, very good pop song, and I can understand why it was so big. Yeah, and if you're selling the album off the back of this, I suspect the album sold more off the back of this than it did off something got me yeah. started because this is radio friendly all over the place mm-hmm. i reckon that you know as a, as a kickstarter for album sales that's perfect yeah exactly and again you know I, I heard this song everywhere at the time yeah but going back to it don't feel the same way about it as i do about uh, brian adams don't feel the same way i feel mm. about knocking on heaven's door both the songs which i preferred uh, okay at the time um you know i think hmm. you know trying to trying to be you know open-minded and fair this is a good song yeah yeah so I, can't, you know, I can't fault it if we're talking about good pop songs it's a good fucking pop song yes and i think it's the chorus more than anything that really lifts it up um i, I can see why it was a massive hit just because it's so well put together that brings you in up that you know crescendo into the chorus yeah, but it's got that, that it's got that really nice like kind of little keyboard touch on the interlude as well you know that I wasn't keen on that. See, I really like that. Yeah, I, yeah, I really, really like that. Oh, I said, okay, no, I, I, I kind of didn't like the instrumentation bit on this. Okay. I like his vocals, but not so much the, the actual tune. No, see, I, I really, I, I really like that that key that key sound. Oh, okay, I think it's really good. The video for this was uh, it's basically him walking through a desert mm. in his terrible clothing. Was this the one with all the w- horrible close-up shots where he looks like he's fucking vampiring a woman? Um, I don't remember that. Okay, I don't I remember might that. Be wrong. Um, it, it, there are lots of close-up shots of just his face, and it's the first time I ever remember seeing that the tooth jewelry. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah. and, and going. Is, it, is there something there? Is that supposed to be there? You prick. Yeah, totally. So yeah, not 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 much on the video in this one, but yeah, it is a decent tune. Fair enough. I know, and you know, as much as it pains me to say it, because. That's not cool. Yeah, that's a, that's a grudging. I mean, that's more grudging than when I admitted to liking some of the Chris Rea stuff. Right, sure. Okay, Bugger. let's have a look at track three then. Track three. Thrill me. I try. This one was the fourth single. Right. Uh, only got to number 33. I, I mean, this one wears its, its main influence completely on its sleeve, doesn't it? What are you no. thinking? What? I mean, wake up, let's not break up. Look, man, dude thinks he's Barry White in this. Yeah, it, it really is. This it's... is a slow, slow funk, straight up Barry White. This yeah. is, I tell you what, this was the nineties. This is the chocolate body paint song. <laughs> Remember the chocolate body yeah, paint absolutely. craze? Edible knickers. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's comically <laughs> sexy. Sure. Yeah. No, and again, this is the image that Mick Hucknall in his own head has of himself. No. I mean, I would not be able to have sex to this song. Um, no. 
I, I couldn't keep a straight face. No, no. I don't know if I would want to have sex with anyone else who'd be okay with us being on the same room. Oh, exactly that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know whether there's a kind of a symbol pattern, and and for some reason I find that particularly funny. Oh, right. <laughs> like it, it's just everything about this is just it's just turned up to eleven. It's like you know on the sex scale. We're, we're gonna turn, put on some incense, ladies. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. This is definitely you know, if you've got a bedroom playlist in 1991, yeah. this is there. I mean, I can't lie. I kind of enjoy it. I'm not sure I enjoy it for the right reasons. Okay, sure. Uh, I find it funny. Yeah, well, indeed. I think, and again, there's some more very cringy spoken word stuff from Hopnell in here. Yeah. Um, and he just, he should not try to be sexy. No, in, in that way. Don't do, you're not Barry White. Don't yeah. don't be doing this. I mean, not Barry White is not a sexy man, but he kind of pulls it off with that voice. But, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, my final note on this song here is the thought of Mick Hucknall fucking makes me feel physically sick. That's only fair. And I think that's fair enough. Absolutely, yeah. But, but uh, in terms of the tune, I think it's got a decent wee drum beat and the bass line is nice. It is that kind of no song funk yeah. stuff that they're going for. It's, it's not, I don't think this is a great tune. Uh, I think this is a passable album track. Yeah. Um, and I see what they're going for, and I think it's really ridiculous that they are going for it. Yeah. But if you took just the the drums and the bass on there, that's a nice little. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I say I say they they pull off what they're trying to achieve here. I don't think it's a single. Absolutely not no, a single. No. I don't understand that. That's that's a late single trying to cash in on. Okay, what have we got left that we can release? Well, indeed, there, there are only ten songs on this album. Yeah. I mean, this can't have done anything in the charts. Surely. Thirty-three. Thirty-three. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's about. I mean, that's that's about seven places too high for it. Sure. Yeah. But, yeah. But. Not awful. Not an awful song. I don't think it's bland or dull or bleh. I do think it's got something there, yeah. but I don't think it's what I want. You know. Sure. I mean? But in terms of in terms of the album so far, we're three tracks in. Yeah. And I'm. I've not been angry. Uh, no, I'm. You know, grudgingly for first like you know at the minute, sixteen year old Dave is furious with me and what oh, I've God, become. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he hates me. He hates everything I've become. Yeah. All the choices I've made are wrong. How can I be saying this? But you know what? This is this is mm. a solid, a much more solid start to this record than I expected. Totally, totally. Yeah. And this one's got another sax solo in it. So two out of three songs, sax solo. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's that's uh, an impressive ratio. So bringing Saxy back. Yes, they are. Yes, yes, they are. Lovely stuff. Then, right? Have we got anything else to add to this? No, I think that's all all good for me on the on track three there. Okay. Well, should we take a quick break and go and have a look at the albums? The albums, indeed. Albums this week. Okay, album-wise, the week that I'm looking at on this one is October the 13th to the 19th, which is actually the second week of this spate of them being number one. Mm -hmm. They were number one for two weeks. We should point out, though, that this album was number one for 12 weeks overall. Yeah. Uh, it was just broken up uh, into different bits. On release, it was two weeks at number one. Yeah. It then went back to number one in January, February, 92 for five weeks and then another three weeks at the end of February, March, 92. So this kept on selling, like we've said, 12 weeks in total at number one, which is fucking ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, this happened a long way. I mean, I, I asked on Twitter, um, mm. I asked for, for thoughts on this record. Surprisingly, quite a few of our people that came back quite quickly with the rock stuff didn't mention anything at all. Oh, really? Um, yeah. yeah. But, like, I mean, I had a couple of surprising ones, actually. Uh, our friend Ellie 
Yes. Basically, she came back. She said uh, it was used in the film Jack and Sarah, which was a gateway drug for my love of Richard E. Grant. Oh, right. I don't even remember that film. I don't remember that film either. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I think the thing that surprised me most is our friend Neil at Sausages. Oh, I saw that one. Fuck, I bought and I loved this. Yeah. And I did not see that kind of Not from Neil, not, not at from all. Neil. I mean, he's the guy him. that got me in a helmet. Do you know sure. what I mean? Uh, and uh, as always, uh, Miss Disorderly, uh, actually, I miss Disorderly a, uh, <laughs> a quick amendment. She, <laughs> yeah, she messaged me to, uh, to, to make it very clear that she is a very specific period of the cult that she enjoys. Yeah, we, we were trying to tar her with a brush where she was enjoying whatever album was released in 1991. Yeah, yeah. She wants to make it very, very clear. There's there's a very defined, uh, credible period of the cult that she enjoys, and yeah. the rest is broadly bobbing. Sorry about that. Lee. Sorry, sorry, yeah. Lee. We didn't mean to, didn't mean to uh, stain you with mm. our, uh, uh, our shit, really. Yeah. Uh, horrible expression. Um, and, yeah, but she also messaged, I think, uh, she said, I think this is one of the first Britannia Music Club CDs my mum got, along oh, with a yes. Rolling Stones Best Of, and that is classic Britannia oh, Music Oh, wow, Club. that is... You know, whenever you see the Britannia Music Club ads and they've yeah. got probably 50 album covers mm-hmm. um, to, to try and draw you in, Stars would have been one of the main ones. Always. Yeah. Always that and Tubular Bells too, by the way. Right, uh, yeah. But yeah, we've got... Uh, and uh, something got me started. She doesn't mind, but it's no men and women. Oh, that was a previous album. Yeah. Men and women. Okay, right. I must admit, I don't know that album I at don't all. Either. I do not either. Yeah. Okay, right, right, fair enough. But So in terms of where we are in the week that we're looking at anyway. The top 10 albums. Number 10 is Mark Boland T-Rex Oswald Collection. Nine is the best of Hall & Oates. Uh, I don't know if they released a new single or something around that time. Couldn't tell you. Number eight, though. Public Enemy, Apocalypse 91, The Enemy Strikes Black. Ooh, number wow. eight. And I'm actually surprised that it got to number eight. I, didn't... I, don't, I don't think I am. No? Public Enemy, you know, were a, a phenomenon at that point. I don't know. I... Don't think they were a UK top ten albums, man. Uh, they were. I think at that point, if you're if you're selling out uh, Brixton Academy mm. on multiple dates, then you're a, you're a week one top ten. Well, yeah, and no, that is true. You know, we won't see this again in the top ten. It no. dropped pretty solidly straight sure. away. But yeah, that's a fucking brilliant. And you know, you and I have talked about this album. Uh, you know, we're both massive Public Enemy fans. Yeah. I think this is still one of their classic albums. I think this is a brilliant, brilliant and see, album. And I haven't listened to this album for a very long time. Okay, mm. For me, this was the beginning and the end right. of the classic stuff. Okay, Has got probably my all-time favourite Public Enemy track on it. Which is? Uh, the Pete Rock remix of no, Shut Down. Down. Yeah, amazing. Uh, absolutely fucking fantastic, man. That, that first verse, that Chuck D verse, was that, oh, I, I testified, my mama cried, black people died when the other man lied. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like it's a stormer. I, I absolutely love it. I I would, if we weren't doing so many uh, specials at the minute, yeah. I would be all in favour of doing a re-evaluation of this. Fair and right. maybe at some point we'll go back and we'll do that. Well, indeed. Or, I mean, we talked about the possibility of, at the end of the year, doing a kind of hip-hop in 91 roundup. Yeah, I think that's... A, yeah, I mean, guys, give us a shout if you think that's a good idea. I think, I mean, to be honest with you, we'll probably do it anyway. Yeah, because there's so much stuff that came through this year yeah. in 91. I think, yeah, I think, I think you know, last year we did a best of overall, and I think this year we might want to deal with the hip-hop separately because yeah, there's a lot there's of There's a lot hip-hop. of it, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I love that album, and I remember it coming out, and me being very excited, and I was straight into it, you know, straight away. I don't think I had it as an actual copy, as you know, one of my own four years afterwards. But my mate taped me this on weekly release, and I listened to it over and over and over. Absolutely love it. Uh, number seven, Dar Straits on every street. Number yeah. six, Salt and Pepper's Greatest Hits. Nice. Which seems a little 
soon for a salt and pepper's greatest hits. They only started getting traction in about '88. Yeah, true. But, but you know, you know bang, bang them out, mate. Get yeah, the record. Number five, Paul Young singles collections. We've had a lot of fucking best of so mm-hmm. far. You can tell it's coming up to Christmas. Christmas period. Number four, Prince Diamonds and Pearls. Oh, I can't believe this wasn't number one. In at four? No, it never was. One of my favourite Prince records. Yeah. Uh, I was having a conversation with uh, with Cliff at the Carolina about this. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think it's one of his favourite records, but uh, I, well, I love this album. He's got some very peculiar choices for a favourite Prince tracks, so I can't imagine anything yeah, that was but, popular. But fucking big up to Cliff, man. He knows oh, yeah. his own mind. Love it. Oh, fucking absolutely. Um, number three, Brad Arms, Waking Up the Neighbours. Number two is Tina Turner, Simply the Best. Another best of. So, yeah, lots of fucking yeah. greatest hits going on there. Cool. So, I've just been, as you've been reading those out, I've just been flicking through the Twitter again, by the way. And oh, yeah. you mentioned the joke about molesting a rabbit. I should mention that Phil Guthrie has been in contact with us to mention the, the molesting a done? rabbit joke. Yeah. I know Phil Guthrie very well. He seems like the type that would enjoy that joke. Yeah, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. And there was something else here that somebody mentioned. Oh, yeah, John in Leeds. Uh, we asked what, what uh, his opinions on this record were. Mm-hmm. He said, no chance. I will tell you off the record what I think, though. Uh, so <laughs> I can go either way. That makes me wonder what's happened there. It makes but, me wonder if John was one of the the, the women that Mick Hucknall has apologised to. not accepted the apology. Yeah. Well, that could, that could be either I really like it, but I don't want to say it in public and, yeah. you know, ruin my image. Or it could be I'm going to slander this man so badly that mm-hmm. I can't say it in public. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, oh, Beat Rehab have been in touch as well. And hey, they said, shout out Beat Rehab. And they said, I heard the stat that one in two households in the UK owned a copy. Could be bollocks. Great podcast. Oh, well. I mean, some of that is definitely true. We are a great podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, other albums released this week. And here we fucking go, mate, right? Okay, let's, like, get, let's, like do, I, let's do it. Like I said, I think last week, when we did the Nirvana one, we, we looked at it in the week that it charted, right? But... It was released the week before that, obviously. Mm-hmm. And there are another few albums released on the exact same day that are just starting to chart now, right? Okay. Starting this week. So I've kept them for this week where we're discussing rather than week day of release. The fucking same day as Nevermind came out. Yeah. You've got Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic. What? Yeah. That charted this week, went in at 25. Okay. That came out the same day. Tribe Called Quest, Low End Theory. Went into the charts at 58. The same day as Nirvana. Same day as Nevermind. Um, Orbital, Green Album. Great. Yeah. I mean, one that isn't here because it didn't chart, but I'm pretty sure uh, Soundgarden's Bad Motorfinger came out the same day as Nevermind. fucking Christ. I know. Uh, So, yeah, those so far, other ones that are in the charts, Ugly Ugly Kid Joe, as ugly as they want to be. Nice. Yeah, that's in there. Um, Nine Inch Nails, Pretty Hate Machine. Went into the charts at 67. We discussed this. Like, that's two years after release. Yeah. But something must have happened. Something must have happened. Yeah, yeah there's a marketing campaign. Something got it started. Something. Yeah, nice. Uh, Levelers, Leveling the Land, in at number 14. Mm-hmm. Ozzy Osbourne's No More Tears. Great record. Yeah, I don't know that at all. Uh, no More Tears. In at 17. Uh, Hijack's Horns of Jericho. Oh my god, what a tune! Yeah, Horns no, Jericho mate, is. That, that album is solid. That is some I, of the best. Yeah, Horns Jericho, what a good tune. Uh, Hijack uh, affiliated with uh, with Ice T's Rhyme Syndicate. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, he seemed to be kind of the one of their main fans, wasn't he? Just here's a really really weird story. Right? Oh, yes. Okay, um, just this is a side note, but uh, years and years ago, right? Uh, Everlast, yes, the the hip hop artist did a load. Of, was was a member of the Rhyme Syndicate. 
for a while. Oh, was he? Yeah, pre House of Pain. Was he? Okay. okay. And I I was staying around my friend Drew's house and we were going to go out car boot record shopping the next morning. And I woke up and I told him, this is a fucking completely true story, mm-hmm. I had a weird dream about a hip-hop version of My Sharona, right? I right. went out record shopping and I found a track, uh, and I can't remember what the name of the track is, but it was by Everlast and it was a hip-hop track that sampled My Sharona. Oh, right. Fucking next day. That's weird. That's really weird. That's bizarre, but, I mean, in terms of hip-hop tracks that sample My Sharona, Run DMC, it's tricky. Yeah, but I don't think I knew that at the time. I don't think, I re- right. I don't think, I don't think I'd put that together. Ah. But, yeah, but, like, with the big hook in it and yeah. stuff. Yeah. How I built it? Fucking hell. Crazy, right? You're a, you're a psychic, Dave. Well, yeah, it's a coincidence, my friend. But anyway, yeah. okay, wow, what a set of albums. No, totally, man. Just think of that, right? This week, you got uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, Lou Wayne Theory, Pretty Hate Machine, Orbital's uh, Green Album, that is yeah. a solid, solid week. I mean, I think we're probably going to be talking about some of these records in our end of the year special. I think we? that's very, very likely indeed. Yeah. yeah. And Public Enemies, Apocalypse 91 in number eight. You know, that's really fucking good this week. Especially we've had a couple of weeks, well, last week or whatever it was, where the Brian Adams one, where it was just Nirvana. Fair enough. That's massive. Yeah. But that's all there was that charted that week. Sure. So it's nice to see this really big, big, big week. But yeah, that's all I've got, really. Okay, well, I mean, you say that's all you've got. Well, indeed. I've spoiled people with that. Whatever it is the Chili Peppers have become now, fuck me, Blood Sugar Sex Magic was an important record to me growing up. Hugely. I mean, it just like... It blew me away. Yeah, I was like, these guys are the best, and Mm. nothing makes me sadder than what they've become. I I put this into the playlist just because I thought, fuck it, no, this still gets me excited. I knew it was going to give it away. That is just amazing. So good. One, two, three, four. What I got you gotta oh, get a pick. Oh my god, so man. Good. So, so, so good. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, you got that for the Chili Peppers and Tribe Called Quest. Yeah, again, I picked this one off it mm-hmm. as, as, as a big single. Scenario off of this album. Just ridiculously good. Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what, so what? I mean, this is. You know, this is the track that essentially introduced the world to Buster Rhymes Indeed, yeah. properly. Yeah. Just, I mean, that, you know, that kind of rah, rah, like a dungeon dragon. dragon. Probably yeah. just one of my favourite ever lines in hip hop. <laughs> yeah, so cool. Like, absolutely. Just, just <laughs> fucking. I like, yeah, no one else was doing his style. Yeah, like, rah, rah, all over the track, man. Yeah. Oh my God. As so I'm back. So yeah, fucking brilliant. Brilliant. But um, we might as well get back into. Simply Red, I guess. Yes, let's do it. Track number four is called Your Mirror. This was the final single. It's the fifth single. Okay. In July 92. So again, you know, a good while after the album came out. Got to number 17. So kind of sparse... Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a very definite sound in the verse mm-hmm. that they're going for, which is, like you say, it's more sparse and, you know, harder edge to it. Yeah. But then it goes into this chorus. So this chorus, look, man, I fucking really like this chorus. Yeah. I think this, I mean, the bird song's a bit much. I, yeah, that doesn't need to be. I said no. exact same thing. Yeah. Fuck that off. But, bam, but that. That, that chorus, really good. that vocal line, that chorus is delightful I really like this one yeah I, like almost like 
Um, it might be the one I like the most so far. Oh, really? I yeah. really like it. I mean, they ladle on the cheese, right? Oh, but sure. at this point, I'm kind of getting into it. I mean, you've got those kind of, like, again, that, that kind of Barry White doing. Okay, sure. You know, a bit of that in there. I mean, I haven't got a fucking clue what he's going on about. The lyrics are pretty non- nonsense. Oh, oh well, no, I, I, I think the lyrics are actually dead nice in this one. Because um, it's the verses, like I say, where it's um, the harder edge to it and it's a bit colder, mm-hmm. they are about... How someone uh, can feel uh, being looked at by the rest of the world, and it's life is hard, and you you have to struggle sometimes, mm-hmm. and I know that it's tough for you, but you 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 keep going because you have to, and then into the chorus where he's saying, but if you can take a step back and just remember how amazingly beautiful and fantastic you are, right. look in the mirror, let the rest of the world fall away because you're so special. Mm-hmm. And back into the verse where it's like, oh, but yeah, and you have to do this and this is what happens and oh God, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But then the, the the chorus keeps coming back and going, but hey, you're fucking brilliant. You're so brilliant. I'm going to fuck two other women today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they're brilliant too, by the way. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're all brilliant. <laughs> they're so brilliant. Have you seen Fight Club? You're a unique <laughs> snowflake. Yeah, 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 indeed. Um, yeah, I think this is. I think this is a great. I think this is a great good. song. Yeah, I, I really like the way that it goes into the chorus. Mm-hmm. That the pause, the stretching it out, and then the boom. And that that vocal, it's wrong. Uh-huh. That, it's, um, yeah, no, this works really well. I kind of, I'm, I'm hating myself more and more with each song, but yeah, I do like that one. I can't fuck yeah. with it. It's and this is another one where I suspect there were a lot of couples who have this as their song. You know, oh, on, on those radio doubt, stations yeah. that we mentioned earlier, that sort of shit. Oh, there was a lot of first dances on this record. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, can you dedicate this one to uh, to Sharon, please? Yeah. This is our song. I mean, it would be a Sharon, would it? of course. Cool. Yeah. No, I can't fault it. Can't fault it. Uh, track five. Okay, track five. It's called She's Got It Bad. Do you have the first thought that I did? Is it AIDS? <laughs> 3,000. 3,000. people in it, yeah. He must have had a few doses. Oh, God. Or at least, you know, a scare every couple of weeks. Now, this one, mm-hmm. to me, sounds like, you know, like when you end up, you, you're out with a group of people and you end up at the, at the club that's open and it's the most... You know, you're at the Funky Fish Club or something sure, like that, yeah. and there's a live band, right? Yeah. This sounds like any nightclub funky soul band to me. Okay, yeah. It's a bit G-Love and Special Sauce at times for me as well. Yeah, I mean, but like without without the, the tongue-in-cheekness you get sure. with G-Love. Uh, but the thing is, I really like the drums and bass on this right. are good. You know, not sticking in the vocal. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this one's okay. I'm not yeah. really a fan of this one. This is... You know, I mean, there's some fucking ret- like ridiculous lyrics on this. Yes, there really are. Festival of heartache. Mm. Miss I'm, executive desperation. I wasn't entirely sure who the she is supposed to be about. I haven't got a fucking clue, mate. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of, you know, uh, it feels like some of these songs are cut and paste together. Possibly, but like, you're saying like, those, those lines about the festival of heartache. Um, Miss executive desperation, you only suck the blood that's spilled. Your macho imitation femininity is killed. I pray that you feel no pain, only if it helps you learn. It sounds like he's about, I don't know, a, a really cold-hearted businesswoman yeah, who fucks people what, over. Yeah, that's, that's what I got, I guess. But I, I, I was like, is it about Thatcher? Maybe. I mean, there's a song about Thatcher yeah, on there. Yeah, that's why I wondered, is there another bit? But I don't know. I don't know what it's about entirely. But... I do give it. I think if you again took 
the drums and the bass there. That's a decent sample. You could so, you could build okay. something on that. What, what are the what are the play me what you like in the drum and the bass because I didn't I didn't make a note of that and I'm... oh I mean, it's just kind of I'll put it back to the start here. I mean, it's a nicely produced drum sound. It's very yeah, much it, a kind it, of James it, Brown. Drum oh, sorry, yeah, definitely. Boom, 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 boom. I think that little lick as well. That's fine. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, I, I, I can see you can have that sound out. But when I think when you put the song on top of it, that's not that's not enough for me. No, fair enough. No, I, I think this vocal of his doesn't do it for me at all. No, it's no. It's, it's it's a bit laboured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's the first time we've seen this kind of very acid jazzy middle of the road yeah. stuff that, that they're trying out yeah they, they've absolutely got, they've I think, tried a little bit of that I think, yeah we, we've certainly seen some precursors of acid jazz coming through and this is yeah, it's very, a bit, you know this is oh i've heard the brand new heavies are quite cool let's try that yeah waiting for, waiting for jamiroquai to drop yeah precisely precisely uh but yeah i'm not not a big fan of that one to be honest it's it's all right but nowhere close to any of my favourite ones. Okay, so let's have track number six, which is called For Your Babies, which uh-huh. was a single as well, wasn't it? It was, yes. Third single? Precisely, yeah. This Love. was the third single. It was released in January 92, and it got to number nine. So it was another, you know, big-ish hit. And I remember this... Well, I remember that little guitar line very well. Spanish guitar? Yeah. Go on, Queen. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember at the time really taking against this one because this I thought oh fucking this is bland nonsense yeah I turned the radio off this came on sort of yeah shit. for sure I, I would have been the same yeah. so it's a slow jam yep but that's quite a pretty vocal melody again his voice is nice on this that's nicely instrumented but yeah and I think it's got some really nice sentiments in the vocals and well, the lyrics yeah I mean it's the soul funk I'd do anything for love but I won't do that oh <laughs> I'd do most anything. Again, memorable chorus. Yeah, it's yeah. catchy, man. Yeah. It is catchy. I mean, I tell you what, though. You, you say there's nice sentiments. It, what it does make me wonder. Mm. The, the lyrics that he writes, it makes me wonder how outlandish his chat-up lines are. Because oh, like, okay. think, look at some of the stuff he's saying. To like, It's like, you know. I mean, This is not a chat-up song. I mean, I look right. He, he's saying nice things to a woman in this song. He wrote this for his friends who were having babies. Did he? Yeah, this is oh, a, this right. is about the friends of his and them becoming parents because he didn't have a kid at this point. Okay, and he was saying, "I'm so happy for you." I mean, I, maybe I've just read it wrong. Maybe right. I, maybe I've got a real blind spot to read in his. Uh... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that 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 does make sense. Yeah. I've okay. I'll, I'll totally disregard what I've right what I've said here. But, you know, all right, yeah, fair enough. I'll, I'll, I'll take that back. I'm an idiot. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the opening line's like, her faith is amazing. The pain she goes through contained in the hope for you. Your whole world has changed. The years spent before seem more cloudy than blue. It's about, oh, you've had a baby now. You're a different person, and I'm so happy for you. Like, he wouldn't have a kid for 15 years after he wrote this. Mm-hmm. But he was at the age where his bandmates were and his friends were, and so he wrote this song for them. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, a lot of his were being, you know, kind of aborted. Well, indeed, yeah, 3,000 uh, potentials. To be honest, I think I probably like the words more than the tune in this one. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a little bit too saccharine for me. Yeah, I mean, I, li- I like the chorus. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, it's it, I think it's, again, it's very well put together. Oh, yes. I mean, I'm not going to be hurrying back to this. This is not my, this is not my oof, but, mm-hmm. you know, for what it is... 
You know, whereas, oh, shit, yeah. you know, whereas again, going back to something like Alita Adams or the Christians, not my thing, but I didn't see the craft in it either. I was okay. just like, what's the point in this? I don't get it. Who's it for? I don't see this hitting those beats. Whereas, uh-huh. you know, I recognize this as a great pop song, but not a pop song that I'm going to be buying. No, not at all. You know? Of course not. Uh, but definitely this was, like, like I say, single three, number nine. This resonated with radio and the public to a big extent as well. Sure. This was uh, a really another big spike for them. Mm-hmm. And I can see that it is, you know, whether or not he wrote it as, oh, people are going to fucking love this, or if he just wrote it as, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to write this nice little meaningful song to my mates. It has touched a lot of people. You can, you know, again, I watched the video for this boring don't bother but the comments on it were a load of people going i remember you know listening to this in 91 after i had my you know my little ones and that sort of shit it really did resonate sure mm. and, you know and that's you know stuff that hits broadly is you know yeah, yeah that's where you, you're t- going you know that's you know just because you're basic enough that this affects you personally that's you know that's that's good for you for sure <laughs> um look okay so let's do track number seven uh-huh this one's called model yes Oh, for fuck's sake, it's gone reggae. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. You knew there was something that had been missing up to now. <laughs> I thought we'd passed the point of the unnecessary reggae in an album. Yeah, I mean, There's I, loads of 1990s ones. But, yeah. I mean, look, that guitar almost sounds like a wobble board. <laughs> God. I mean, they've... Uh, <sighs> They've tried to do dub as dinner funk here, haven't they? Yeah, this is very uh, coffee table. Yeah, I don't think this works at all. I think it's terrible. Yeah, absolutely terrible. Really terrible. But you know, that's with the caveat that I don't like reggae in general. Mm-hmm. So I'm not being the per- I cannot be the person to say whether this is good or not. But in terms of a tune that I like, I think it's just crap. Yeah, I mean, it's got sort of eating alligator for dinner. Yeah. Are you? Pretty little girls. Leave it out, Prince Andrew. Yeah, well, yes. (laughs) It's a very weirdly specific song. Yeah. I don't know why he wrote the song. Because I was like, oh, it's called Model. Maybe it's just about, you know, attractive women Mm -hmm. or whatever. It seems to be very specifically about models. I mean, you know, I mean, if you if you're banging three women a day, then maybe you've got. Oh, a, I bet you, he, you know, went you, through a lot. You've got a whole section on models specifically. You know, yeah. there's, probably, there's probably another song he wrote about farmers. <laughs> oh, I'd like to hear that one. If you're creating the numbers, mate, do you know oh, what I hope mean? that one was done in a kind of a Wurzels style. Yeah, all. this is this is a song I've written about people that work in the insurance industry. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck, that's a, that's a, a whole slew of albums, online albums only. Mick Hucknall's Little Black Book. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but lines in this, like looking at yourself in the mirror, baby, telling yourself to be up this morning, holding in your hand another mirror, baby, one or two lines for confidence. So it, it really is specifically about models and how they have to do a lot of drugs to get through the day and mm-hmm. stay skinny and be relevant. And have sex with Mick Hucknall. Yeah, you do need a lot of drugs. I would need a lot of drugs. drugs. I'd need all the drugs. And a blindfold. Yeah. And uh, possibly and, restraints. And to be dead. Uh, but it, it's a bizarre one. It talks about aging taking you down because it's such a cruel business uh, there's always someone younger and prettier coming through to take your place mm-hmm. it's a weird topic for a song yeah i mean it's you know i mean i guess if you if you're friends with a lot of models you see their plight and you're like oh yeah your life is more difficult than i yeah. thought it would be let me talk about it in a reggae style eh? yeah exactly boom ting yeah <laughs> now nah, i think this is nonsense this one rubbish not not a fan um right we are you know speeding through this album we're now kind of two-thirds in 
So let's take a quick break and do some singles, yeah? Let's do it. All right, so your top 10. Uh, there's not a lot of new stuff in here, if I'm honest. Cool. Number 10, Rosala, Everybody's Free. Mm-hmm. Number 9, Erase Your Love to Hate You. Number 8, Salt and Pepper, Let's Talk About Sex. 7, Julian Lennon, Saltwater. Number 6 is a new entry, though. Number 6, you're going to know this one. Because this was huge. You ready for this? Yes, indeed. Two Unlimited. Get ready for this. Um... I think, I mean, I bought that at the time because I was buying lots of shit. Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure. No, I think I liked this one, but then when No Limit came out, I was like, all oh, right, no, I'm not having this. Can't deal. But that was a big tune. That was, that was you know, all over the place. Uh, number five, Oceanic Insanity. Yeah. Number four, Kiri Takanawa with World in Union. Oh, fuck. Do you remember that? I, I mean, I... For the rugby, whatever y- it was. Yeah, I kind of remember the it's name. It's a world in no, union. We don't, we don't need to hear it. No, absolutely not. Number three, and I remember this being released, I'm thinking it was a joke that went too far, actually releasing this as a single. I'm pretty sure it was Simon Mayo who started playing oh, yeah, this yeah, on his yeah, breakfast yeah. show. Yeah. And... It suddenly got uh, huge traction. This went in at number three. Well, you know why this is? This is because uh, I'd remember because I'd have been in the last year of high school, yeah. and they aired this on British TV for the first time because the the, the ban on it was lifted. What the song? No, the film left Brian. Oh, I see. So it sort of coincided uh, with that, yeah. Okay, well that does make sense. I, I just remember it starting to get played on Radio One as kind of a novelty thing, in the same way that Simon Mayo started playing. Donald, where's your trousers? And that got released as a single. He started playing this, always looking the bright side of life, and suddenly it was a hit. But yeah, yeah number three. I bet when it was shown in the BBC, I bet it fuck or whenever it was a Channel Four. I bet you still couldn't get it in Northern Ireland. But, oh uh, no, there was an uproar, mate. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two is the Scorpions' "Wind of Change," and number one is still Brian, Brian Adams. Adams yeah. Everything I do. Other stuff that came out in this kind of couple of weeks that we're looking at. I mean, we've already talked about the album a little bit, but number 22 in the singles chart, uh, Public Enemies Can't Trust It. I love that. That's just a big old fucking drum beat. Here come the drums. Flav going a little bit weird over the top of it. Chuck keeping it serious. What's the track it sounds a lot like from... uh, uh, from there's a track from uh, Fear of Black Planet that sounds a lot like that. Oh, it, no, I'll tell you what, it, it, that, it just sounds a little bit like um, uh, Fight the Power, doesn't it? Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see the horn yeah. in that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, number 29 in the charts. I'm not going to bother playing this, but I don't even remember it. Morrissey's My Love Life. He had a single called My Love Life. Do you remember anything about that? Uh, I fucking hate Morrissey. Oh, indeed, but I don't. I, no, I, I don't remember it at all, mate. No. I don't. I don't. I, I, I've kind of always had a disdain for for Morrissey mm. uh, to the point that it took a long while for me to accept that any of the Smith songs were good. I see. Okay, yeah. you had to get past that hurdle. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple further down the charts, just uh, in terms of stuff, you know, little movements or whatever that are happening. Lush. Uh, are in at 43 with Nothing Natural. Okay. And Chapter House are in at 60 with Mesmerise. So you've got a little bit of shoegaze coming through okay, at this coming point. Through. Yep. And also Mega City 4 with Words That Say are at 66. And Cud are at 49 with Oh No Won't Do. Fair enough. Which is basically, 
you know, our, our good friend Cy Sharp's, you know, teenage Oof, years. Yeah, yeah, basically him on his... Cod and Mega City 4. Him on his uh, motorbike. Yes, indeed. If only eight were in there as well, I think that would be the trilogy for him. Yeah, absolutely. I, there, was, there was an album that came out I didn't mention before. Kingmaker's Eat Yourself Whole was out this week as well. Nice. I suspect that's another one for Cy. Eat, eat your own hole. <laughs> I, I do try. Uh, but yeah, there's your singles. Nothing really spectacular in that one, I must admit. Okay, so yeah, back into the, the last few tracks of Simply Red then. Okay, so this one is called How Could I Fall? How could I fall for someone so superficial? Hold tight. How could I fall for someone so superficial? Are you taking the well. fucking piss? What, what, what are you, fucking Descartes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, mate. <laughs> okay, so the man so, that will fuck anything and releases songs that sound like this. So we're into plinky jazz. The sax is going for a walk right now. Yeah, I mean, opening with a sax solo is a brave move. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have expected that. No, I mean it's dull so far. Truth be told, very, very. Plink. Yeah. This I can imagine them live, you know, looking like they're very, very serious. Oh, someone's pulling some faces. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What is this? This is just light jazz nonsense. Yeah. I mean, you know, vocals pretty enough. That's fine, but, but yeah, this is this. There's yeah, no, I mean, there's no hook to this. No, it's dragged on for me this one a yeah. lot. Yeah, I think this is by far kind of the blandest one so far. Because there's nothing else to to lift it. There's no big chorus. There's no riff that mm-hmm. you know. You go, oh well, there you go. That's your yeah. your pop. This is just a load of grey dullness for me. Absolutely. And you know, I don't think this. You know, I, th- I think they obviously they they like a bit of jazz, but this mm. is jazz. It's, it's most far. bland. It really is. Yeah. And it, I would almost understand if this were a fifteen track album and I just chuck this on. Mm-hmm. This is a ten track album. This is a tight album. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't understand why they've put one song on here which is four minutes or whatever of this shit no I don't think they needed it it's, uh, it's, no. it's not for me I think it's a misstep on uh, on the album yeah. overall even though there is there's a second sax solo that comes in about four minutes you know they're really going for it yeah. they, maybe the sax player wrote this I don't know I mean that sounds likely yeah but, uh, but no I, I think like you said I think it's a misstep the, the lyrics are about a breakup it's just trite dull shit that he's talking about mm-hmm. the piano line is horrible don't like the instrumentation. Mm, no. Don't like the whole feel of this. No, don't like anything about this. Nah. Really. As well, I said, don't like anything about it. I think there's some 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 pretty vocal touches in there, but okay. not enough to carry this over. So it's a it's a no from me. Definitely no. No, I'll skip that one every time. Uh, so number nine, freedom. This one features additional vocals from Rowetta, who was in Happy Mondays. Oh, nice, and on uh, the X Factor. Oh yes, she yeah. was. It's quite a nice funky start. We've got a bit of a kind of yeah. James Brown... Uh, There's a James Brown scream there. There you go. Here's a few samples pop up for, from JB. That's some slap bass in the yeah. background. So it's dramatic. Yeah. Yeah, again, another one down the funk orientated, but and perhaps this might be what we talked about, the, the drummer coming in and, you know, having having his influence on stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's mostly instrumental this one yeah it's got some nice little instrumental moments and it's got that kind of uh, kind of big kind of vocal refrain that comes in from time to time the high long thing yeah that bit 
This felt a bit redundant to me as well, if I'm honest with you. Yeah. Um, I think because it's kind of like a protesty song. Yeah. Uh, but the High Long just sounds like it's going to go into the song High Long by Ace. Yeah. There's a, it's very, you know, mem- uh, sparks that off for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the freedom to win, blah, blah, blah. It's, a, it's about when are we going to, you know, get what we need? When are we going to, you know, break through? When are people going to start listening? This mm-hmm. sort of shit. Freedom. But then, why has he done this? Why is there pan pipes? Why do you do a pan pipe bit in a, in a, you know, a protest song? I know. That's the least funky instrument you can have. I'm pretty sure. Yep. Apart from maybe a wobble board. But yeah, that's uh, really bizarre. Uh, again, that's, that seems to me like a gratuitous album track, which shouldn't be in here. This sounds to me um, like what our friend John Fisher once referred to as an introduction song. Mm-hmm. This is, you're on stage... And you go, ladies and gentlemen, on drums. Yes. Bam. Ladies and gentlemen, on trombone, etc. Absolutely. It's yeah, one that, of those. That, yeah, that makes sense. Don't have to put it on an album, though. You, you really do, do not. No, leave it for the live shows. So, okay. And if you're honest, leave it to the live shows, you know, when people need a piss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't, really, don't really get that. It doesn't fit with me. Yeah. No, no, it's kind of a political statement-y one, but... Yeah, it, it doesn't sound like it's very angry or achieving anything. No, again, I, yeah, I don't. I'm not really sure what you're getting at, mate. No. So, last track on this album is called Wonderland. Wonderland. Here we are. Okay, so we're back in slow, slow jam territory. Yeah. And this wasn't a single, but I'm sure I remember this. Maybe. I don't know why I would, because I would. Unless it was like whenever we were at HMV and it was being played then. Don't know. I but I don't want to be playing eight years later, surely. Christmas, I don't know. But yeah, for some reason, I'm sure I have heard this before. It's got look. It's got that kind of weird thing where it's kind of at the same time melancholic and uplifting. Okay. Uh huh. It's you know REM do that very well. Yeah, they do. And this is this is this is quite pretty. I think that. This deep vocal here, that's a bit much for me. Is well, that, that him? No, 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 that's the keyboard player again. Right, okay. That's the, yes, I would. That's him. Yeah, I just think that's a very good vocal that he does here. It's, it just, it feels, like, forced. Okay. Well, it's very different to Hucknall's voice. Yeah. It sounds, you know, I don't know. I don't mind the vocal, I must admit. But I think it's a, a pretty bland song. It's a, you know, again, it's, it's, not, it's not a terrible song. It's very filler. I mean, I mean, there's something to it because I, I, am sure I've heard this. Yeah, there, you know? there is something to it. There's a, there's a hook to it. It's not completely, you know, it's of the last three tracks. It's the best of the last three tracks. Oh, definitely that. But it's a bit of an ignominious way to end a record. Sure. Um, yeah. And I think you know, from from starting off with this and being very surprised at how much I liked it, I don't think it was able to sustain it. And I don't know whether no. that was me kind of going like, all right, well. I can appreciate the songwriting for so long and then I've had enough of it. Okay. And I don't think it was that because I gave it a few listens. I I just do think it is the back end of this album is just nowhere near as good as no, the I early part. No, it's very front-loaded. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. That. I mean, think, you know, I mean, for me, you know, up to the point that we get into these last three tracks, 
There are, you know, two that I don't like. Yeah. And then the other five, I've kind of, I like to varying degrees. Okay. But these last three, I don't really like. Okay. I mean, I would say uh, the, I, there are two that I really don't like on here. And those are Model, the reggae one. Yeah. And How Could I Fall, which is the one that starts with the sax solo. I, th- I really dislike them. I think they're bad, bad songs. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 mean, I would say I, I, only, I only really... Fun dislike model the rest i'm like Ugh, don't care okay. i mean yeah i mean the, the the jazzy one yeah it is the same I and mean, you know i didn't particularly i didn't particularly get on with uh that one that you know she got it bad the one that you oh you yeah, quite yeah like the drum i think there's on. something again no that would be at the bottom of my pile but i think there's something yeah. to it yeah but i mean overall as an album mm-hmm. i got a lot more out of it than i expected to yeah genuinely surprised genuinely surprised that there's an, as much craft on this as there is right certainly that my opinion, they were the absolute enemy of everything. That was, you know, I've, I can, that's that's gone, right? Okay. Am I going to go back to this album? Uh-huh. Absolutely not. Right. But I'm probably going to stick uh, something got me started into my uh, best pop compilation. I absolutely, I'm putting that into a couple of playlists of mine because I yeah. like literally over the past couple of days, whenever I've been listening to this, either in the background or for you know actually making notes on it yeah i have skipped back and skipped back and skipped back and played that one again yeah it's, good, it's a good tune yeah it's a good tune it's an undeniably good tune so yeah that, uh, i'm very happy i've sort of refined that and i must admit i i really enjoyed i forgot what it's called now i really enjoyed your mirror as well yep yep uh and you know was amazed that i didn't dislike stars sure yeah uh and well, kind I of think- found something you know, found something quite funny about uh about Thrill Me as well. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. I think the biggest surprise for me was that I didn't hate this. Yeah, you know, that was, I was me too. I was so sure that I was just going to go, all right, we're going to fucking slate another album. Here we yeah. go. Uh, this is going to, yeah, here's your genre bias coming mm-hmm. through because yeah. it's simply red. Yeah. Did not happen. Yeah, no. that's and that's that's where I was at. I was that's because we we saw each other in the pub on Friday, yeah. and I'd I'd already started listening to this then. Yeah, and I really wanted to talk to you about this because I was like I, I put it on in the car, right? And I was in quite a good mood, right? Uh-huh, I'd, nice. I'd come out, I'd come out, had quite a nice gig. I was driving back from Reading, and I put this on, and I was like, ah, oh, not that I don't hate this, I quite like this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, there you go. I mean, it's, it, like I say, it doesn't sustain through for the whole. The whole record, I think. No, you know, uh, I think anyone trying to claim this is a, cl- a complete classic record would have some questions to answer. Definitely, but yeah, I mean, much but better than I expected. Much better than I expected, and I can see why it was such a big album because, sure, uh, you know, even us going, oh, I can't believe I like this. That must mean surely that people who are into middle of the road pop stuff, yeah, or middle of the road, you know, soul ballads or whatever. They must have thought this was manna from heaven. Sure. Yeah. As always, we have to find uh, between one and three songs to put on our playlist. Indeed. And if you haven't listened to the playlist, basically what we're doing is we're adding songs from every single album that was number one that we're listening to and talking about to form a playlist of kind of what was happening in these albums in the 1990s. Yeah, so, I mean, no matter how much we hated the album, we have to find one song from it. Uh, if we really like an album, we can go to up to three, because mm-hmm. we never be any more than three. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we are both straight away, we're going to go with something that we started. Absolutely, that was, you know, 100% always going to happen with me. That's Definitely. without a question. Okay. Without a question. What's your second favourite song on here? Second favourite? Hmm. It would be between For Your Babies and... Your Mirror. Okay, well, Your Mirror is my favourite of those. Right. I mean, if you want, we can go with all three no, of those I don't, tracks. I don't think we need to do three. But, I mean, I would of those two, I would go Your Mirror. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm fine to doing that then. If you want to do Someone Got Me Started and Your Mirror, we'll put those ones 
on. Great. Jolly good. I'm, a, I'm nice. amazed we're putting more than one on. I, I am as well. I, I would am. have said, you know, two weeks ago before I was getting started on this, I bet you we struggled to find one. I mean, we've joked about this one as one that's coming up that we were kind of dreading. We and, have. And I was expecting this to be a slate. And I've had uh, our friend Jackie has been on, uh, on Twitter saying, uh, I think this is one I'm going to have to skip. But you know what? This is the mm. point of the podcast. Yeah, man. This is the point of the podcast is to go back and find this stuff and to and to see where you go, right? And yeah, fuck well, it. Did. We, we said we're going back to see if we missed anything at the time. And we did. Yeah. On this one, we did miss a couple of bits. There you go. All right, Job ladies and gentlemen, let us know if you think we've lost our fucking mind. <laughs> um, get in contact in all the usual social media places. Uh, yeah, do if, if you're new to the podcast, do follow us on uh, Instagram and Facebook and all of those things. We we're you know we, we we're trying to be better at putting content up there. We do our best every now you know, but we're we're both working and it's you know uh, it takes a lot of time. Exactly. I say we're working. I'm trying to run events, but anyway, guys, uh, you've been amazing. Thank you for listening to us, and we will see you again next week thank you for joining us bye thank you for checking out this episode of pop collaborate and listen it was produced and edited by us for which we can only apologize we're on twitter at pcl podcast on instagram also at pcl podcast and facebook.com slash pcl podcast All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is pclpodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on pclmusicpodcast at gmail.com.